You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Michael. Andre, I'm staring at a glass of ice. And I'm apologizing to our listeners for how we basically screwed the pooch over the past couple weeks. You know what? I thought that was a great little uh, a great little one minute and 14 second episode. <laughs> I just like... I think when we started 2022, like I know last year, I don't know if we've really talked about it on the podcast, but last year was definitely a challenge personally and professionally for both you and me changing careers and just, we've been doing this for a, a long time. And I think when we came into this year, we decided to raise the discourse. I think we've been doing a pretty good job at it, better topics, better interviews, etc. Um but I mean, with the world reopening, like you've had s- such great opportunities to travel. I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity to travel that I think we forgot to really look at each other's calendars and plan things out a little bit better. Yeah, you know, the interesting part of uh, 2021 is we at some points had uh, at least six in the can yeah. at any one time, especially with those. Uh, and 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 I still love them. I uh, and I can't wait till we get back to some you know winemakers and get them on the books, and also get them on the uh, stump the stoop. Yes, because we had probably six of those, and they can nicely be released when you know we have uh, a little a little lull in uh, in in uh, I don't know news. Let's say yeah. Well, I mean the problem that we've had is is you've been coming and going from Italy, and then I threw a trip to Italy, and and then in two weeks. I'm going to France, and it's just like it's been really hard for us to get together and and taste. Like I haven't cooked. This is probably the longest stretch you've gone without a home cooked meal that I've burnt off the barbecue. Yes, yeah, it's true. Uh, I haven't had a good burnt chicken in a long time. Yeah. So so we've what? connected. We've connected. We thank everyone for still sticking around. Um, I I don't think this week's episode, but I think next week's episode, we're going to talk about what I learned in Abruzzo, and it was a very eye-opening trip, but I am in front of me, have in front of me a glass of Negroni that I didn't have now, to mix myself, which makes me happy. Well, now, I, I, I understand that you uh, have already tried this, mm-hmm. and uh, I was under the impression we were going to try it live, but you like Negroni, I, I think, and I, I have never been a fan of gin. Yeah, uh, so, so so my experience with uh, my experience with Negronis are... I know there's so many people who listen to this podcast that work in the wine industry, but it is basically the cocktail of choice for sommeliers. If you um, if you ever are at like the end of the night, like the end of a, a dinner or the end of a at the end of a wine tasting, and you're hanging out with a bunch of of psalms, um, I, I suggest you just say, "Hey, who wants to go grab a Negroni?" And you'll see everyone's eyes light up, just like, "Oh, Negroni!" Like it's it's almost like you know. Give it Scooby Doo. It was also give it Scooby Doo a Scooby was, snack. Where I was introduced to it was, uh, or I at least first heard it was was in Italy. Okay, and everybody was all about Negroni. Wait, was this was this trip like the first time you've discovered Negroni? This this trip was the first time I've had one that I remember because again I've told you I am not a gin fan, so I would hear about you know gin and I'd be like, no, I can't do gin. Interesting. Um, but this time, I finally went. You know what? I'm going to bite the bullet, and I'm I'm going to have it. And I must have had six or seven uh, this trip, and the, maybe the trip before. Okay, so you liked um, it, and you... I was like, "Wow! Oh, you know what? I I I am not a, I am not opposed to this." 
like like some of the Chardonnays you give me. I'm like, oh, I'm not opposed to this. Interesting. So sorry, you you liked the Negronis? I am not opposed to them. Okay, okay. So that when so that when Campari reached out to us and said, "Hey, would you like to try our?" Uh, and and it says right on the bottle, it says "Ricetta Originale," which means original recipe Campari Negroni, which is Campari at thirty three percent, Cinzano Rosso Vermouth thirty three percent, and London Dry Gin at thirty three percent. Yeah, and that's. It says, I mean, that's the... pour over ice, stir, garnish with an orange slice, and that's it. Well, there you go. I mean, for many people, actually, I think in terms of balance of flavor, it's um, it, it's pretty perfect, right? You well, gotta... now I'm, I, I see. I'm opening it for the first time. You have opened it, and I am now going. To, I have the ice. I have. I have the. Um, I have the bottle. I am popping it open. All right. Well, but, but before you taste it, let me let me talk about. Uh, I guess some of my experience with the pre-made cocktails. I mean, it's. Um, I really don't mind the category. Like, I, I do like the idea of the category of pre-made cocktails. Like, I, I know, um, like, the, the seltzer vodkas are very popular. We, we saw, like, the peak of White Claw. Personally, I'm a fran- fan of Socialite just because it's a, a local company and the product's been on the market a little bit longer. But I've also had people bring, like, JP Weiser's has done the pre-mixed cocktails. Like, they've done an old-fashioned in, uh, in like, a pre-mixed format and... Um, for one of our Toronto Life guides, I think it was Bar Chef. Yeah, Bar Chef. We've talked about the old fashioned. The Bar Chef one was was very very good. I remember that. I know the Wiser's one, and I think it's just in general a lot of the pre made cocktails skew really sweet. I I, I think the the whole idea is is if you're making a pre made cocktail, you're not necessarily targeting a, a serious cocktail drinker, like the dry crowd. I guess the dry crowd, if you want to put it that way. But it's the other thing too, where um, like I know for I know for myself, like it's I don't mind mixing a good cocktail, but also like it's it's time consuming, especially like if you're in the middle of of like cooking dinner or getting dessert together, or whatever. So to get like a good a good pre mixed cocktail can definitely you know free up a bit of time that you could be spending with guests or whatever the case may be. So yeah, and this it smells like it should. Yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm happy about that. So I've got it in the glass. Yeah. And I got a I have got a full thing of glass. Sorry, a full thing of ice and about a half glass. And uh You know what? I'm I'm happy with that. I don't have the orange peel with me. Or, well, it's or a whole the, orange the, slice. It's a whole orange slice you put it. But I, I actually don't don't think I've I've usually seen that as a garnish. Like if I if I've gone out to most most cocktail places in uh in Toronto, it doesn't have that. Well, what I saw when I was in Italy and got a Negroni is that they they took the orange peel and mm. the guy twisted it and, over the drink and then threw it in. Interesting. So to add a little even even more bitterness to it already. Correct. So that takes that puts the bitterness back and uh, uh, and pulls away from the sweetness. I guess if if they've got it that way, alcohol gin, gin can come across sometimes as sweet. Well, the vermouth is sweet too, right? Correct. So uh, got- the alcohol on this is. 26%, which uh, which definitely tracks, given what's in, in the cocktail. I guess that would also track where why sommeliers would be a fan of drinking that at the end of the night. I I am I am not opposed to that in any way, shape, or form. What I don't know is what its shelf life is. Um, you Now, I know you've opened it before. I opened Did I opened you? mine um, before I went to, to Italy, so a couple of weeks ago. So it just, it's been sitting on the counter. 
And I realize now I probably should have kept it in the fridge, but frankly, I think the alcohol is high enough that it's been intact. It hasn't evolved any. It hasn't changed any. It still tastes like a beautiful Negroni after after a couple weeks on the counter. Uh, the, cork, the cork was in it. Um, yeah. I, I, have, I have no problem with that. So uh, hats off to Campari uh, for making an easy-to-drink Negroni. Uh, I believe it's at the LCBO now, which is why we got our hands on it. So I'm going to let uh, Andre uh, do his little fiddly fingers. Yep, I'm uh, and, uh, and hopefully pull that up. It's a, uh, and I'll talk a little bit here, it is a 375-mil bottle. Um, you know, I hate to say it, I'd like to see it in a little bit bigger a bottle, but maybe it does come in a bigger bottle. Yeah, uh, twenty two uh, ninety five. I mean, this is the sort of thing if you were throwing like a small cocktail party or something. Like, there's, uh, let's see, I'd pour probably three ounces per person, which is a pretty strong cocktail to to begin with. Yep. Um, if this is half of a a a twenty sixer, it's. You know, Andre, it's got a nice rosé color. It could almost be part of the rosé report. I mean, you you get four like four stiff drinks out of that, right? I don't even think you were listening to me. Yeah, you can put it in the rosé report. I got you, but the the uh, the uh, vermouth that's in this is red, very red. Correct, but you put it with some ice there; it turns a little pink. And to tell you the truth, some of the colors of rosé I've seen, this is sometimes this right now with ice, and I have a pink glass, also, uh, or or a slightly tinged pink glass. So it probably enhances the red color. Uh, I I have seen rosés this year that are uh, even darker than this. Uh, there were a lot of dark rosés in Abruzzo where I was. Correct. We'll, we'll not be multiple, talking about that on on this podcast. Yeah, multiple Giano uh, would would have it because it's a dark skin grape. But yes, we can get into that uh, as we go uh, next week. So, anything else to mention about this cocktail? We've only talked for for ten minutes, and this this was not well, paid for by paid for by Campari. I'm still just I'm still just surprised about. So, it's literally your aversion to gin that stopped you from from having this cocktail before. Yes. So many, 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 many moons ago, uh, and I, I, I I've told this story. I I may have told you this story. Um, it's it's probably it's one of those moments in my life where I'm not proud of it. Um, but sometimes I still go back to one of these things, but not the other. And, and here it is. So when I was 16, uh, buddy, uh, decided that we were going to get some gin. And, um, so, so we got a bottle of gin and then, uh, don't ask how we got the bottle of gin. We just did at that age, you know, you found ways. Um, and then we decided to find some tonic, but we couldn't find tonic. We were in Toronto, and for unknown reasons, we went to grocery stores, we went to corner stores, we went all over, and we could not, for the life of us, find tonic. So we went, what are we going to do instead? And we found Wink. Wink? Wink. It's a grapefruit drink. I've never heard of that. Huh? I've never heard of that. Okay, so we found Wink. That actually sounds like it would make a good cocktail. Do you know what? Gin and Wink, maybe. But then we got peckish. And, of course, neither one of us at this time were in any state to drive. So my buddy, and we were watching movies, we were just hanging around watching movies. And then we thought, okay, well, we need a snack. And we looked around the house, and all he could find was plain Ruffles potato chips. Okay. This still sounds like there's no red flags coming up. We've got Gin and Wink, so grapefruit soda and gin. Yep. Okay, 
you you got me. I'm sold. I, I would I would drink that. I'm I, I'm sure maybe we could call it the the pinkus. I'm guessing yeah. the cocktail was probably pink colored because of the grapefruit. No, it was a it was a yellow grapefruit. Yellow grapefruit. Okay, so yep. maybe the pinkus isn't a good name for the cocktail. Let, let's right. see. okay, we'll take that one back. Uh, adding in the potato chips to go with that. So you got some uh, salt to go with the sweetness and this. Like it sounds like you made a pretty balanced snack there. Yeah, so far we're okay. Yeah, sounds and then great. We're looking for a dip. What do we got for a dip? Okay, okay. We really don't have a dip. Okay. We have nothing to make a dip with. Okay. So we both like ketchup. Okay. So Still not terrible. Dip, Still not terrible. We, we start to dip the chips in ketchup. Okay. Now, sounds like a good idea, and that's the one thing occasionally I do go back to. Occasionally, when I'm by myself, I will pull out a bag of, ke- of chips, and if I need a dip, and I don't really have one, I will put a little ketchup in a bowl, and I will dip them. Because I like ketchup. I like chips. Ketchup chips, a no-brainer to me. Um, let me just say that when that kind of mixture comes up, it does not taste as good as going down. Cheers, so, Andre. So you over-imbibed. Mm. Okay. And I was I was the lucky one because I was I was I was a faster runner than my fr- my my buddy, and um, as it turns out, I made the bathroom quicker. He made the laundry room sink. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm so, fortunate enough that I don't have any any booze stories like that where there's anything I'll, I'll completely avoid. But I know I've made the joke on the podcast several times that tequila tastes like youth and regret and. I say that because um, my old haunt in Regina O'Hanlon's in uh, in right downtown, and I don't even know if it's uh, if it's still open. It's been so long since I would have been there, but their two cheapest shots on the menu were shots of Jameson's and shots of Jose Cuervo, which, by the way, was the only tequila you could get in the market consistently in Saskatchewan. Occasionally, they'd have Sousa, but um, I had a few nights where I over imbibed, where I, I think twice before drinking tequila, but. I mean, you and I have been pretty fortunate with like the Toronto life work that we've done and whatnot that we've had a chance to say, taste some pretty good tequila over the years. Yep, we've done some good tequila, uh, and I've I've done a, a quite a few um, spirits reports where uh, I, I, you know, Andre, I'm not as opposed to spirits as I used to be. I don't think you're going to catch me with that face that you love so much. Yeah, the um, uh, the whiskey face that we did from from a few years ago. I mean, I do I do enjoy tasting. Here's the thing I enjoy about tasting spirits with you and I think it's the thing about um it's the thing about being a wine writer in general is is I've given good scores to wines that I don't particularly enjoy because you you get an understanding of what people like. And even if you don't like it, you understand why other people like it. Sorry, just a sidebar. I'm on the O'Hanlon's website for Regina, and their backsplash, like the the photo on their homepage, is literally just a wall of empty Jameson's bottles. And I am regretting many choices I made when I was younger right now, looking at that wall. I'm sure I was responsible for a handful of those bottles, if that's in the bar. Andre, that is it. Youth is full of regret. I guess. And good times. times. <laughs> uh yeah. So I know we've kind of gone off on a bit of a, a bit of a tangent. Are you talking about how you like you're um I guess you're you're more spirits, uh you're you're not opposed to spirits at this point, but I, I still don't see you I still don't see you picking up a bottle of Buffalo Trace and sipping that over ice yet. No, uh probably not. But I, I will say that um 
2022, introduced me to my first good bottle of grappa. Interesting. Interesting. And I think, okay. and I, think I, I brought that over and we tasted it together and both of us said, I could drink that. Uh, I actually don't remember that because I, I oh. still like, I, I, I think it's the same thing where like I, I, I've done, gone to a lot of tastings, done a lot of tastings at some very good Italian restaurants. I've done a grappa tasting where I've had some that are, I'm not opposed to. But at the same time, you know, I drink a lot of Calvados with, with Guillaume, who's my business partner. I'm excited to seek those out. I drink a lot of whiskey from, you know, any country that makes whiskey with my preferences being uh, bourbon followed by Highland Scotch followed by, you know, Canadian in the distant, distant third. But like, grappa's never been something where I found one where it's like, I need to go out of my way to get my hands on this grappa. I'm, st- I'm still of that opinion. But uh, uh, a gentleman from uh, Bocale in, uh, in Umbria, uh, in the Sagrantino area, uh, made one. And uh, I, I have to be honest, when I saw the bottle in the package, I was like, well, that's a waste. Uh, and then I said, I remember asking you, do you like grappa? And you said, no. And I said, okay, but I'm bringing this over anyway. And, uh, and you did, you weren't as a, you didn't. I don't even know how to know put this. Uh, you weren't as opposed to it as you were when we first started. We only had a sip each, but I mean, you weren't opposed to it. Yeah, no, no, no. that's a, fa- a safe way, a fair way of a uh, fair way of doing that. So, anyways, um, anything else to add on spirits? We've done this mini Negroni episode. Well, you know. Um... I guess I have to start re-looking at gin, um, although I, I cannot do it straight. Uh, I had many gins sent to me. Uh, I can't do it straight. In fact, I have uh, a friend who comes over and tastes gin with me uh, because I'm like, that's just gin. And uh, she's like, oh, no, you should. Oh, there's this and there's that. And I'm like, OK, good. So uh, I'm able to uh, write the note based on somebody else's palate for gin, uh, although I'm not bad with whiskeys and bourbons. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the flavored vodkas that come kicking around, uh, but gin still is a very weak point for me. I, I love tasting, I, I love tasting gin just because, um, I feel like your distillers have the ability to be a little bit more creative with, uh, with what goes in it, right? Like I think about Hendrix gin being made with, um, with cucumber, how that's like a very distinctive taste versus like we recently just had the Gila Fleur gin sent to us, which was definitely more juniper heavy. You have Ngava, which is, uh, you know, another Canadian based gin that uses, uh, at least some local botanicals. Like it's, it's just, it's fascinating how like there is a sameness to it, but at the same time, like you have some really creative distillers who, um, you know, can muck around with the recipe and really put their own signature on it. And uh, you know what? To close out uh, this uh, this episode, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, a, a winery that I tried their wine uh, this week and at the winery and was totally blown away. Uh, and it's Mirandon in uh, in the county. Andre, this is going to come as a shock to you. Mm-hmm. The 2020 Chardonnay, mm-hmm. I think it's 2020, is outstandingly good. Right on. I am and, looking uh, forward to getting my hands on that. Hold on a second. I, I've got the bottle here in the... Uh... I believe it's Jonas Newman making those wines right now? Yes. 
that, and that, yeah, it is the 2020. Outstandingly good. Outstandingly good. And there will be a video on that one uh, coming within uh, a few weeks. Yeah, I'm still looking forward to getting think, my hands I on I think, this. because they are not ready to quite, um, not quite ready to release it yet. But, um, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting my hands on some more of the 2020, um, 2020 Chardonnays. Oh, I, I recently had a 2020, the Civility Chardonnay from 16 Mile. I have the notes written there about to go live on underwinereview.ca. And it was also outstandingly, outstandingly good. Well, there's our, there's our, uh, CanCon for the episode. All right. Well, I'm Andre Pru from underwinereview.ca. Uh, you can support us at patreon.com slash two guys talking wine. And as I learned in an email interaction this week, it's two with the number two. So not the word two. Yes, that is true. Yes. Uh, I am Michael Pincus of Michael Pincus wine Uh, you can follow me on uh, the grape guy and at uh, Michael Pincus wine review or heck just at Michael Pincus. I'm all over the place uh, that way as well. Did you miss Andre? Me? Did you, you know me? what? Did it's you time me? to uh, jiggle some Did ice and pour another Did you miss Negroni. Me? Did you miss me? Did you miss me? What? Did you miss me? Did I? Did you miss me? No. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.